Welcome to... Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. We wouldn't blame you if all of your attention is currently focused on the year's second Grand Slam. The action is heating up at the 2021 French Open as we reach the quarterfinal round of the singles events. Of course, we have recapped each and every day's action on our mini break podcast feed. And if you have missed any of those episodes, you've missed any of the matches that have unfolded, you can catch up on it all by finding those links on our website, crackrackets.com. You can also find them wherever you listen to your podcast by searching the mini break podcast. Uh, But of course, we know here at Crack Rackets, it's our obligation to keep you apprised on everything happening across the tennis world, not just the headline ATP and WTA events, but the action at the collegiate level. And of course, the action at the ATP challenger level, the challenger to a roaring on last week two fantastic results in both little rock and i believe biela but of course there was also an incident on the court that needed to be addressed and our hosts damian kust and jacob bobro do just that they discuss you know the fact that it comes out holger rune caught on microphone using a homophobic slur in the midst of his i believe quarterfinal match and he went unpunished in the moment but since the audio has leaked the tour has discussed they're launching an investigation and Damien and Jakob discuss what happens here, what the proper response should be. And again, they elucidate all of you listeners more on exactly what happens. They also talk about the results that unfolded. It was a fascinating week. You know, for me in particular, an American challenger always going to capture my attention. And I may even hop on this podcast on Wednesday and do another challenger update. But of course, they talk about that. They talk about Jakob destroying Damien in the Roland Garros qualifiers draft pick game. And they talk about the craziness of having having five events on three surfaces in one week, as is the case in this upcoming week. It's a fantastic podcast that I know all of you listeners are going to enjoy. Of course, the reason we are able to do this day in, day out is because of the support we get from all of you listeners, from our Crack Rackets Patreon family, and of course, from our friends at Turn of Tennis. You guys know, it's the only grip that gets tackier when you sweat. It's performance in hot and humid conditions unmatched, and you know that iconic blue color that can be seen on rackets of hundreds of touring pros can be seen on yours as well. Just go or no, I should say, that you can call or email them to get college pricing or free samples by emailing sales at uniquesports.com or calling 800-554-3707. You let them know we sent you. You can become part of the Turn Tennis team. They'll hook you up like they did for us. Sales at uniquesports.com or 800-554-3707. With that in mind, let's get to another ATP Challenger edition of the show with my friends Damian Kust and Jakob Babra. Welcome to the next episode of the of the Challenger Tour podcast, and I am joined once again by my friend Jakub, and he's going to tell you about two retirements that happened this week. Uh, obviously, quite sad, but uh, you know he's he's just going to bring you up bring you up to speed on these. Yeah. Uh, so the first, I would say the the, the bigger of the two retirement is Martin Klijan, uh announcing that he's going to play his last challenger tournament this week in Bratislava and his last ever tournament at Wimbledon. Wimbledon qualifying, I assume, because I don't think he's getting a wild card. Um, so that's kind of an interesting decision. But yeah, he's, he's going to play his his last match. I mean, his, his draw is against Max Morang. We'll see if he wins his first round or not. But yeah, Klijan has been, it, it's, his career has been interesting. Um, 
in that it, like, he's always been thought of as somebody with a lot of talent, uh, talent for top 10, top 15. Um, but he's never been really able to put it together. I believe his career high ranking is 26. Uh, but, you know, he'll, he'll always be remembered for his uh, weirdly amazing results on the ATP 500 level. Uh, so <laughs> disproportionate uh, to his other ones. Uh, he's, you know, he's been controversial. He's been fiery. Um, and he will not be forgotten quickly within, within you know, the, the annals of Slovak tennis. Uh, any thoughts on Klijan? Yeah, uh, definitely someone who, who everyone had an opinion on. A very polarizing character. Like you just either loved him or hated him. And I, I definitely will remember some of his matches you know, forever. Like, for example, this win against Nadal at Beijing. That was one of my favorites. I actually have to rewatch that. I mean, just right now thinking about it, I'm super excited to, to, see, to watch it back. Amazing peak level, but obviously the, the mentality was very lacking. And it's kind of not a surprise that he's retiring this early because He's clearly a player that not always enjoyed himself on the circuit. Also, a lot of injuries. So maybe if it wasn't for that, then then, then maybe he would have you know, reached further. Uh, I think it was 24 his peak ranking, ah. and and he he only made one Grand Slam fourth round. But as he said, fantastic ATP 500 rounds. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I I don't I don't think that he would play for much longer, even if even if he wasn't as injured. Uh, he's turning 32 this year. I always imagine he would retire somewhere around 30. Uh, that's as much as he said. He's he's been criticized for you know caring more about having a nice car than becoming the best player he can in Slovakia, stuff like that. He he does love his car a lot. Uh, <laughs> if, you, if you're in Bratislava, you, you you might see him. Uh, yeah driving around in his Lambo. But yeah, the other retirement is Nathan Pasha, uh, a double specialist from the Challenger Tour. Um, bit of a surprise, he's only 28 years old. Uh, not a surprise in the way that being a double specialist on the Challenger Tour is not very profitable, if profitable at all, really. Um, but yeah, we, we also wish Nathan Pasha a, a happy retirement. Next, I would like to talk about a qualifiers game from last week. <laughs> yes, I actually, I actually hoped you were not going to mention that. Uh, oh. did, you the, did you count the scores? I'm curious if you yes. got the same result. Yeah, I, I, I think so. Unless I counted wrong, I believe that I won 48 to 19. Yeah, I agree with that. So. Yes, yeah. So yeah. For, for you, Alcaraz was a 16-point player. Everybody else was horrible. Galan didn't even give you a set. I mean, Galan was like... someone that I definitely expected to, to win at yeah. least a round for me, and he went zero. I actually counted the, the zeros that I had, and it was five to you're just one. I think only Dennis Istomin didn't win. Yeah. A point so that's absolutely crazy uh you know midway through the week i i texted Jakub that, that uh, alcaraz was probably my only chance and his loss against truth meant meant that you know the chance was over if he won we actually wouldn't be even able to uh, to discuss these results here because he would still have to play uh, schwarzman right so, yeah i mean th theoretically I think Alcaraz would need to reach the final, I think, to give you a chance to to, to, to make it equal. Points, eight points for a win, right? So if he won eight points for a win, Schuf, yeah. then he won against Schwarzman. Yeah, 
I think so. So yeah, <laughs> that but, was yeah, a disappointment. I mean, Amazing. For stuff. for for me, my. My, my my biggest performer was without a doubt Henri Laksanen. I, I just took him for the for the first round against Hanfman. He ended up also beating Bautista Good, which I did not see coming. So thank you, thank you, Henri, thank you, Henri Laksanen. Um, but yeah, very fun game. I hope that we can do it again. Uh, next slam, Wimbledon coming up soon, and then US Open and and whatnot. Yeah, we're gonna uh, do that pretty soon. So so hopefully I will do better this time. I mean. <laughs> Anyway, should we talk about the match that we just finished watching? Uh, the final of Little Rock, where Jack Salk beat Emilio Gomez to win his first title since Paris-Bercy in 2017. Amazing stuff. I mean, that, that that's his first title. I mean, it's kind of something that you you know, but you never really think about that. Yeah. In four years, he hasn't really, he hasn't had a single title. I mean, that, that Paris run propelled him to number eight in the ATP rankings, and then he fell off the map completely. In 2018, he, he never won a single match, and his motivation was super down. And this week, it's been... It's been fantastic. I mean, the, these wins against Escobedo and Kwiatkowski, I mean, three hours, 28 minutes, I believe, against Escobedo and almost three hours against Tyson Kwiatkowski. So, you know, it's, it's not been the sock that we that we're used to recently. Like, the, the motivation is high and it shows. And he still has, a, he still has the game, I mean. Yeah, m motivation and, and fitness, because he's been criticized mm -hmm. for his fitness a lot. Um, throughout that 2018 where, where he struggled and I mean you can't be unfit and win back-to-back -back three hour matches like that that just doesn't really happen if you if you're unfit um so I, it's probably not peak Jack Sock since he had to uh play a lot of tape matches save a lot of match points but for him to be that committed uh it's very impressive and it's very intriguing yeah, it might be a, good, a great springboard for for the for for any future runs. Uh, he also beat my my uh, my peak for that for uh, for Little <laughs> Rock, so Escobedo. But I don't feel bad about this peak. I mean, it's I think it could be argued that he was the the second strongest player in the in the field, especially mm -hmm. as as we seen the the bottom uh, half of the draw was not that loaded. Like I think Escobedo, Sok, Kwiatkowski, they all could have won that, and Gomez just reaped through his draw. And you know, just maybe, maybe if he had Crawford instead of Oliveira, but but Crawford had to retire. That was someone who, uh, who I really wanted to mention, Oliver Crawford, because this yeah. year he's been fantastic on the ITF tour. I think 31 to uh, wins to 10 losses before this week, and we didn't really get a chance to test him that much because Polanski was awful against him. So was Kelly. And so was Oliveira pretty much until, <laughs> until Crawford got injured. Actually, Oliveira started playing a bit better in the second set. His, his forehand, lefty forehand, isn't that bad. But uh, that's also someone, someone uh, you mentioned that doubles players on the Challenger Tour don't make that much money. This guy basically travels 45 times a year. I heard that his father owns like a, a, a brand of hotels in Portugal, and that's, that's oh. how he has all the money. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> he, he's one of these players who barely get off the court, and yet he's still traveling. He's still doing it. He's a very solid doubles player, not so much in singles though. So we didn't really get get a chance to test Crawford and Gomez ripped through his draw. But then in the finals, I think it was clear that he wasn't the better player there. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I pretty much mentioned everybody who I wanted to mention. Crawford. I'm sorry. Oliveira made the semis just quickly. Uh, Escobedo, your pick to win the tournament, actually did win in doubles. 
uh, with Barrientos beating Eubanks and Kiros 10-5 uh, in the third to secure the title, which was actually the finals played indoors uh, he, he, here on Sunday as they were waiting for the courts to dry up for the singles final. Yeah, rain has been a, a big theme of this week in Little Rock. Yeah, unfortunately yeah. and hope at least the finals we, we just that one tiny break in the second set but but it, it wasn't uh, that much uh, that much of a great experience watching because of the delays but it was because of the crowd the crowd was insane very partisan towards americans obviously uh, <laughs> or even or even towards certain americans because sok kiatkowski it seemed like sok was just such a big favorite of, of for them but th this atmosphere really really made me jealous to to, to just be there hopefully one day we can visit some sort of an american challenger maybe little rock yeah i've i've, I've been to one have I, have I only been to one american challenger i, I, I think i've only been to one in newport oh, beach um that's a big yeah, that was as, a big one right uh, yeah that, that was a big one uh it was also wta 125k mm -hmm. i actually did the draw there for the women because nicole gibbs didn't want to do the draw she felt like it would be bad luck to do the chips and I was the only other person. Wow! <laughs> so, so I ended wow. up the draw for for that one twenty five k. But yeah, it, it, it was really fun. American crowds they prefer American players at challengers. Um, but yeah, where we didn't have an American crowd was in Biela because what would they be doing there? That makes no sense. Um, Biela seven uh, won by Holger Rune. Uh, six three five seven seven six over my pick Marco Trungeliti, who was so close to, yeah. <laughs> to getting me a point and closing down that gap uh, in our in our prediction competition. But yeah, great battle, three hours. Uh, obviously, something that we need to talk about with Rune are his uh, comments that he made towards uh, his semi-final opponent, Echeverri. He claims that he was saying them to himself, but if you watch the video, that's simply not true. I mean, he's clearly talking about his opponent. Uh, they're calling him the homophobic F slur. Uh, he came up with an apology today, which was, it was weird because it was, it was in one post, him sort of thanking everybody for the week and then doing this half-hearted non-apology uh, for the quote, saying some bad words to, to himself. Uh, yeah, really not covered himself in glory. He's deleting all the negative comments and blocking to people who leave them. Um, his mom came up with something about defending him, like saying that everybody says dumb stuff when they're 18, which was then backed up by Patrick Morataglu, <laughs> where at, at, at whose academy Rune trains. So, yeah, disappointing, disgusting, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can kind of understand that you know, he's 18 and I definitely wouldn't like to be you know, call called out for something I said when I was 18. I'm actually kind of glad that I didn't have a Twitter account when I was 18 because I'm pretty sure there would be some stupid stuff on there, but it certainly wouldn't be homophobic. Uh, and and the, the words he used in the apology, I mean, I love diversity more than anyone I know. That's just super it, it's, weird. it's ridiculous. I mean, who says that? And, and I mean, what, 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 what people often don't understand in when they're trying to apologize for homophobic or racist behavior is that the apology is only the first step and nobody's, you, you, you're not entitled to people actually accepting your apology. Your apology is the first step 
um, then you need to continue with changed behavior uh, and, and some sort of, you know, support. Uh, and I don't expect Rune to do any of that. I feel like that's all he's going to do. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so. Yeah, sometimes in the heat of the moment, players seem to forget that there are microphones everywhere and... And it, it was also it was also just so pointed as like, th th there was a very clear reason in that video why he chose that that uh, word to use towards his opponent, and it was because he was playing what he called weak defensive tennis where he doesn't create anything himself. Yeah, um, I think there was which... also a phrase like P U S S Y player, which means exactly yeah. the same. So, yeah. so it's 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 clear why he's used that word. It's clear what he thinks of gay people, essentially, uh, and it's disgusting. Anyways, it moving on. <laughs> uh, Kaspersuk made a quarterfinal again, uh, <laughs> once again, uh, which now makes him the number three player in the challenger race. Uh, overtook Sebastian Baez. He's now behind just um, oh my god, Brooksby, I, I guess. Brooksby and and. Uh, Oh my god, I'm gonna have to open this. Benjamin Ah Bonzi. Bonzi, oh, yeah. Okay. I completely banked on his leader. Yeah, sorry to Benjamin Bonzi. Um yeah, Juke quarterfinal. Also a solid run from Jacopo Berettini, who I wasn't expecting anything from. Mm -hmm. I just sort of I've never watched him play. I've seen his name around. I just sort of see him like as the Italian Petro Sissipas. But clearly he's he's more than a, he he can actually play. He's only 22, so he might still do something at the challenger level. Yeah, I actually saw Jacopo Perutini live at Sopot two years ago. Also didn't think much of him, despite despite watching him. So I was quite <laughs> surprised with this run too. But it's worth noting that, you know, one of these wins was against Danilo Petrovic, who retired, and the other one was against Ramkumar Ramanathan, who's clearly not a... Not a clay court player, but then again, he was very good against Trunkaliti. He uh, served, yeah, he served for the opening set at 5 3. So, so perhaps there's gonna be something good coming from Jacopo Bertini. I think Trunkaliti will be a bit uh, sad that he didn't play Biela before, because when I looked at his challenger finals, he's actually made quite a bit of them in Italy, and both his titles came in Italy as well. So, so maybe maybe that was a mistake not to travel to Biela this year. But he was he was extremely good, and it was a great pick from you for a while there. It seemed like it seemed like he's gonna be yeah, uh, he's gonna grant you the final. point. Yeah, yeah. Th th through that whole final, I was thinking, oh, there we go. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull it back. It's going to be a one point game, uh, but no, it's not. I mean, who who knows after this week? This week coming up with five tournaments. Yeah, theoretically uh, you could so, be six free up after. after yeah, this week. I, I could. Anything could happen after this week. It's, it's or I could be eight one. So, <laughs> <laughs> really hoping that doesn't happen. Um, but yeah, I've, I've sort of put them here in order of how many points they award. Uh, so should ah, yes. we start with Nottingham, the one twenty five? But we still got much of the week and upset of the week. Oh, oh my god, I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my match of the week was the Biela final. Um, oh, cool. It was it was it was a really really cool match. I was actually uh, despite having Hogerune in it, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Who have you gone for? Uh, I was actually pretty certain we we're gonna go for the same. I went for Escobedo Sok. 
Ah. Uh, which I have already talked about. Uh, 34 straight, uh, not straight, but 34 service holds. It was only <laughs> in the third set that Escobedo uh, let free one, but then so broke back. Uh, but I actually love this match, as the, especially the atmosphere made it. So uh, it, was, it was pretty crazy to watch. And with upset of the week, I actually think I know what your, what your pick is going to be. And I'm going to let you say it first. But, and then I picked something else in order to, you know, to, have, to mention it too. So um, go, go ahead. Yeah, I, I don't think you do because I, I, I really struggled with picking upset of the week. I didn't really see a clear upset of the week. I think you're forgetting did, did I miss something because I because I went for I, I I went for Crawford over Polanski. Okay, I mean Crawford was the betting favorite actually, and a pretty substantial oh one, yeah. Uh, I, I just assumed Polanski because... being back on hard court, but yeah, yeah what, what, but what have I missed? <laughs> you missed two big ones, I think, and one you even texted me about, so I'm kind of surprised. It's uh, Hiroki Moriya over Nicolas Jari. Oh God! Yeah, I did that was the one. I, that, yeah, that was the one I was dead certain uh, you were gonna go for, and uh, that's I, why I also, should have gone for that one. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I also wanted to go uh, to talk about Ramanathan over Kavčić. Uh, when, but yeah, you, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about Moria over Hari. Okay. Uh, it, you know, disappointing Hari picking him as my as, as my winner that week. Um, not really sure what what happened there because he, be, he he got beat quite wasn't it six three six one that he got beat six four six two I think but he six, didn't six, really two. win that much service games that many service yeah which games, is it's, it's it's surprising for him yeah and after the Salinas uh, fortnight that that we've had I mean it's super surprising especially against Moria who barely did he lose to Young Jason Jason Jung later I think so and it wasn't a uh, you know. Uh, like tight match, so that, that was quite weird. And Ramanathan yeah, over him quite easily. Yeah, and Ramanathan over Kavcic did surprise me a lot because of clay and the extent of it. Obviously, six one six one for Ramanathan mm -hmm. is absolutely crazy. Uh, when I looked at betting odds for the whole week, it was uh, by far Moria over Jari. That was the biggest upset. Uh, yeah, I've, 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 not been looking, I've, I've not been looking at the, at the betting odds, I've only been looking at the draw, so I, I think that's why I sort of missed it. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking um, at the draw too, but then kind of checking back, you know, if 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 the bookies think otherwise. And Moria yeah. over Jari was by far the biggest one, I think it was 550 for one if you if you bet on Moria. Uh, anyhow, yeah, I also have these in my notes sorted in order, you know, in, in the order of ranking points, so we can definitely start with Nottingham. We're got, getting to grass for the first time in two years. That's that's gonna be great. I, I always love these challengers on grass. Like obviously this week, this year, I think we're just getting Nottingham twice. I think so. And usually yeah. it was Ilkley and Serviton as well. But yep. I hope it's gonna be amazing, and it's definitely going to be with the first round match that we have. There oh yeah, at the top <laughs> of the show. I mean, this is the best first round match we've had in a challenger. I don't even know since when. Evans Kokinakis, wow. It, it, it's incredible. It's, it's on tomorrow. I'm so jealous of everybody who gets who gets to go from nothing, to, to Nottingham that, that I keep seeing on, on uh, tennis Twitter that also live in the UK. Unfortunately, it's on, the car, it's on the cards for me this week or this year. I don't think I'm going to the second one either. But yeah, Dan Evans against Tanasi Kokinakis on the grass, round one. Wow. I cannot wait. Yeah, we also have Kevin Anderson for the first time since 2010 on the Challenger Tour, which is also oh. fantastic. Uh, the, 
he, he, I'm super excited. Like this is so weird for me to even think of Kevin Anderson as a player who's playing challengers since in 2010, I was basically not watching tennis or if watching them only grand slams and stuff. So Kevin Anderson and the challenger tour is super weird for me. We don't get Andy Murray who, who drew, but we get some very interesting uh, players uh, as well, like Brandon Nakashima. I think we're very excited to see what he can do on grass. Uh, he's been perfecting his net play, so that's someone who's, who I'm who I'm really excited to watch, and I think he could go far. Uh, in qualifying, there were a few very talented breeds, uh, Gray, Ferry, but only Matusevic really gave uh, a good fight against Ramanathan, and actually I think he dominated the opening set 6-2, like Ramanathan was barely winning his uh, points on his first serve, but then, then Matusevic lost the two tie breaks, so you know, the, the, these four British wildcards for qualifying, because there's also James Ward, uh, they all lost. So these are very talented guys. So I'm quite surprised, quite disappointed to see that. But hopefully they will find a way to win some matches in the in the second week. Yeah, so who I've gone for here is quite weird, considering how many contenders there are within this draw. Uh, but yeah, I've gone for a bit of a wild one. It's it's definitely the the weirdest pick that I that I'm making this week. I feel like I'm adopting your approach of going for one quite <laughs> weird one. Uh, I've gone for Ilya Marchenko to, to oh. win this tournament. <laughs> nice. I mean, I like it. I mean, uh, you know, I love which speaks, So Marchenko is great. Wow. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to to potentially Evans Kudla in the quarterfinals, but. Uh, I mean, Kudla is is really, really good on grass. Uh, Evans, obviously, probably better, but I still feel like that will be a very interesting match. Kevin Anderson, uh, I'm not sure how he's doing physically because he he's been he's been playing very yeah. rarely uh, this year. So he he played Estoril, then he lost round one to to Quan at Roland Garros. Obviously, grass is his best surface. Um, but he, he, like, even he, he has Offner uh, in the quarters, who, who's had a great Wimbledon run before. Yeah, Marchenko is who I've decided to go for here. Interesting. Uh, I also went for a weird pick this week, but not here. <laughs> here <laughs> I went with my most boring one, and it's Dan Evans. I don't know if he's <laughs> going to win. I think there are probably there are like 10 guys in the draw that could win the whole thing, and Evans is definitely among them. Obviously a very tough first round. But I think with the you know, with the tools he has for glass courts, the slice, the net play, he's yeah. definitely a good pick. And hopefully we're gonna uh, hopefully that's gonna bring me a point. But I'm not. I'm definitely not picking him like you know top seed. He's sure he's a sure thing to win this. I definitely don't think so. I think a lot of people are gonna be surprised that when a player ranked 27 enters a challenger, it's definitely not an automatic win, even if he does mm -hmm. end up clinching the trophy after all. Then we have Lyon, right? Or Lyon? Yes, or... Lyon 100. A um, couple, couple of very interesting clay veterans as the top two seats, Pablo Cuevas and Fernando Vetasco. Um, interesting draw, you know, also Facundo Bagnis is here, Taro Daniel, Benjamin Bonzi, who is the number one uh, in the challenger race. Uh, quite interesting to see Bjorn Fratangelo staying on clay, not going straight back to, to the US, to Orlando. Um, Marco Trungelity and uh, Holger Rune are, are both in here. So, yeah, what do you, what do you think? Oh, 
I actually just remembered that I wrote an hour ago in an article that they're in Bratislava because I missed, <laughs> they're, they're I missed up these events. Yeah, I will have to, I will have to change that uh, once we finish. Uh, anyhow, uh, yeah, the bottom half is, is great because all the qualifiers were placed in, in the top. And mm -hmm. I think that it's it's pretty amazing that that we get matches like Bonzi Otte or Tabilo Galan first round. That's that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I also wanted to mention that Verdasco is playing here for the first time at, on the Challenger Tour since 2012, when he mm. actually played Prostay pro of Challenger and lost first round. Uh, <laughs> and in the qualies, there are two very interesting guys also, Pedro Kacin, who whom we've already seen a lot on mm -hmm. the, on the Challenger Tour this year, and Marcel Kinart. Uh, he's been playing great on the on the ITF tour, but my pick is Facundo Bagnis. Also quite boring, I think. Uh, I'm also going for Facundo Bagnis. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we can't actually be six free. You can't be six free up, and I can't be eight one up. So that, that's gonna you know, even out a bit, even if we if we get that uh, get that pick both. But Bagnis was amazing at the at the French, and that's all my logic. Uh, yeah, I feel like we can move on to Bratislava 90. Uh, it's a bit of a shame that it's the the five tournament week because I could talk about this tournament forever. Uh, so so many of the of the qualifying wildcards I've, I've either played against or I've watched them play for a very long time. I was very surprised to see Milos Karol get the get the third wildcard into the main draw, the first to going to Klein and Molchan. Molchan's ranking obviously not being uh, used for for entry, otherwise he'd be comfortably in. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was a tough decision, I think, for the organizers because otherwise, if if he wasn't playing Roland Garros Juniors, it would go to Pribara. He's definitely the the biggest talent we have right now. Um, but yeah, they, they decided to go for Carol, who wasn't the the best junior. I don't think he even broke like the top seven hundred fifty in juniors. Uh, I played against him once in a doubles match. Where I mean, beat me very easily, but who didn't back then? Uh, and yeah, I would, I would have expected somebody like like Pokorny, who who lost to Idukovic, um, getting that wild card instead. But no, it's it's Karol. Uh, almost everybody except for Andrei Martin from Slovakia is here. Gombos, Horansky, Kovalik, Klijan, Latsko, Klein, Malchan. Uh, Every, everybody everybody has gathered for this tournament. Uh, they do get some fans. I think it's like quarter capacity. So that's quite exciting. Um, uh, two top one, top 100 players in Gombosh and Korea. Gombosh won it back in 2019. Um, what else can I say about this tournament? <laughs> it's great that uh, you know so much about the, the Slovak guys because honestly, most of these names are completely new to me. Um, yeah, I mean, as they should be. They uh, my, like my generation of the sort of like, like the two thousand to two thousand and three are doing very little when it comes to mm -hmm. professional tennis. It's it, there's a very big drop up after Klein and Molchan uh, in the rankings. Um, so yeah, they're all pretty much equal. I'm sort of surprised not to see Minarik in here, even though he's a bit older. He's twenty now. Uh, he is. I think probably the, the still so would be able to beat any of the guys that, that got the qualifying wild cards. Um, Hopefully, once yeah. we get to Poznan and uh, and Stettin, then I'm gonna be able to boast about, <laughs> about my uh, yeah. My I, mean, I, have, I, have to, I have to do this now because I won't get to do this until November when we get the yeah. second Bratislava Challenger. Um, just quickly, doubles teams, uh, the Slovak ones, Klein and Molchan, obviously. Oh, uh, 
big they, 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 they had a great run here in 2019. Miloš Karol is playing with Filip Horansky, which is very interesting, big, big age difference there, as is between Miloslav Mečić uh, Jr. and... Oh. <laughs> no, he's and, 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 really? Yeah, he's playing, yeah. I mean, he's only a coach at this point. I, uh, I, I know, I mean, he's not playing anymore, like, you know, you know see Yeah, so, so, so he's playing doubles with, with Novanski. Uh, they've got the wild card. Uh, Mechir coaches at the club. I don't think Novanski actually plays for that club. So it's quite interesting that they have got the, the wild card. And, and then Palovic Pokorni, who who were finalists in the Bratislava Futures earlier this year. So watch out for them. I feel like in doubles, they can actually do something. Sebastian Baez is somebody who I haven't, haven't mentioned in this draw. He's playing Renzo Olivo. Yeah, all very exciting. I have gone for a very boring pick. <laughs> Okay. I have uh, Norbert Gombosch winning this tournament. Uh, boring and honestly, is it that likely? I mean, I just always underestimate I, him. Uh, Gombosch in front of the crowd in Slovakia, he okay. just loves it so much. I mean, Davis Cup atmosphere, he's killing it. Uh, he, he got the atmosphere there in 2019 and he won it. And honestly, the crowd carried him through. And, and he is the crowd's probably favorite player. Of, of the bunch, except for maybe Mochan and Klein. Uh, but yeah, of, of the guys like Klijan, Kovaldi, Koranski, Kombosh is definitely the crowd favorite. Fair so enough. yeah, Kombosh is what I've gone for. Fair enough. Uh, I, I also checked that he, he won the tournament twice, even in 2016 also. So that, that, oh yeah, that, 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 that was a different shot. venue back then, but yeah. That's that's a that's a better shout than I thought. And as I said, I'm always underestimating Gombosh. I don't know how it keeps happening. <laughs> so rude. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, what can I say? I, I I'm really excited to watch the Chernobyl brothers again. Also Volchan after that fantastic run in Belgrade. I mean, yeah. How how is how is he gonna react to that? The Baez Olivo is a fantastic first round. In the qualies, I actually am very excited about not the Slovak players, but the Czech the ones. The Czech ones, yeah. Yeah, who, who all, all, all went through today. Vitko Priva, Jonas Foretek and Izzy Lehechka. Uh, they haven't really been doing as well as I expected of late, especially Foretek, but he should be better indoors than, than on clay. And as for the peak, I went for someone uh, maybe pretty interesting, Josef Kovalik. Ah, interesting. Yeah, also also a Slovak, obviously. And I just, I don't know, looked at the draw uh, and I thought, why not? I mean, he's, he's a fantastic clay court player and it's yeah, definitely any clay court challenger he plays. He has uh, some sort of a chance. And I just felt like going for him this week. There's really nothing, you know. Yeah, I, I had Kovalik in the semifinal. Uh, I, I can definitely see him making the semifinal, even though he has to play Baez. But yeah, I just remember that Gombosch-Kovalik match from this tournament in 2019 and Gombosch, I think, beat him. I can't remember quite, but I think it was, it was straight sets, uh, something like 6-4, 6-3. So I feel like Gombosch's game is just like a good matchup uh, for him against Kovalik. So I can't quite see Kovalik seeing, taking this one, unless Gombosch loses early, which is possible he has to play Martered in the second round. So. Yeah, possible. Yeah, I'm just looking for that match quickly, and it was a quarterfinal. It was six three seven five for Gombosch. So ah. we were we were pretty close. <laughs> uh, we can go to Almaty then. I think that's probably the least interesting one this week. Probably. Yeah. I I, I feel like yeah. I can't see myself 
watching a lot of this one. Especially be because of the timing, right? Yeah, I mean, having three... Is it, is it three? No, four, four other challengers at the same... No, no it's, so three other challengers outside of Almaty and the second week of Roland Garo, all in the same time slot. It's very difficult. Almaty actually starts very early. Earlier, right? Yeah. Right? They were yeah. playing from 6 a.m. my time. So that, that, yeah, but am I, am I awake at 6 a.m. is the other question. And I, the I was not because I was watching <laughs> Little Rock. I was watching Little Rock until the actually even went jogging after Little Rock yesterday. So I couldn't get up for, for 6 a.m. And I actually wanted to because Daniel Michalski was playing the qualies. It's someone yeah. who we were asked about. Well, maybe more I was asked because you obviously had, had little... Uh, knowledge of him just as I know, as I don't know not much about the Slovak guys, but it's someone I really think could start doing well soon. But once again, he lost to Corent and Denali, uh, threw away a, a set lead, but I, I couldn't watch that. I mean, 6 a.m. was just in the middle of the night for me. And I, you know, as I have a lot of stuff to do for the university because it's it's June, I, I have to keep my sleep schedule tight, so Almaty is going to be hard. But there's still a lot of good stuff to to look forward to in the draw, right? Yeah, there, there's Andre Martin, top seed. I can't really blame him for going out to to Almaty. Obviously, I would prefer him to prefer to see Bratislava, but I think he yeah, lost the... Kazakhstan, right? He he won a couple of challengers here. Uh, yeah, 2019, uh, he won oh. uh, Shimkent. Uh, it was actually a fortnight as well, and he won both events. Or maybe, yeah, I, or maybe I, it was I, some point in time. But yeah, I, I assume that he looked at the entry list, and I, th I feel like that's how he decided, because the, it, it, it's only it's only uh, an 80 compared to a 90, but the, the field is so much weaker, uh, rankings-wise, at least. Uh, there's some interesting players in here. There is, you know, uh, Meligeni made the semis uh, last week. Um, Mirza Basic is in here, who could, could do something, maybe. Uh, Jimena Valero, talented player, Barrios Vera. But I have gone for Andre Martin to win this tournament. Again, the top seed. You're using the top <laughs> seed card a lot. But okay, I can't blame you. The, the top seed rarely wins on the Challenger Tour, so I'm not going to be uh, angry about it, unless, unless unless they both win. Unless they both win, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Zizou Bersh is playing uh, a main draw Challenger on clay, finally, and hopefully he can do something, but his clay game is not looking great. Uh, I love some of the round one matchups again. Uh, Justino Skatov is very interesting to me, how Skatov will fare after that run at Oairash. Also, uh, Meligeni, whom you mentioned, is playing Chunhin Seng, so the Ron Garros champion from three years ago. Champion or runner-up was he? Baez, he played Baez in the final. He was the champion, right? And, and Baez was runner-up? I can't remember. Anyway, <laughs> Kuzmanov Maseiras, mostly because of Kuzmanov, is very interesting to me. I'm curious how Tjurnev will do on clay after his title run at St. Petersburg this year. Uh, I think there wasn't much to talk about in the qualies. I went for a pick that's a high seed, but I think might be viewed as kind of weird. Okay, there in the qualies you've got Vitali Sachko, for, who was in the finals in, in Biel. Biel was it? The, the Swiss challenger this year, that streaker one. I Jesus, think I'm so, so bad. Yeah. I'm so bad yeah. at this. <laughs> and actually, I yeah, checked I'm that. Uh, the one the, the, the Shimken challengers that Andre Martin won in Kazakhstan were spaced like you know, there was a month apart between them. It was both events in Shimken, but uh, that's not important right now. Ivan Fairness is playing in the qualies, and I really thought about picking him. 
because oh. he was great in around Garros qualities. He barely lost to Brooksby and threw away three set points, uh, match points consecutive. So that was someone I thought about, but I decided to go for Mohamed Sabbat because he was also great in round Garros qualities. He lost to whom? I can't remember, but he was actually playing quite well after a very tough period for him. And I just kind of feel like that this might be his time, that maybe maybe he's going to get back to form. It, it's definitely possible. I'm going to just stick with Andre Martin for, for this one. <laughs> yeah. And Orlando, we've got pretty much the same field as last year. <laughs> I mean, there are some standards. Uh, was Uchiyama yeah. there? I don't think he was, right? I think he just came from... I don't, I don't think he was. Yeah, Uchiyama is yeah, the Yeah, he came seed. from Paris because he played Paris, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jason Jung is the second seed playing Nicolas Hari in the first round, which if, if Hari can... Uh, remember how to play tennis after last week. That can be a very, very interesting match. Uh, Paolo Lorenzi is in here. Very interesting. Playing Sam Riffis, who I think is currently a college player. I remember watching him at, at Orange Bowl a long time ago. Um, in, a, in a matchup between two uh, Jack Sock match point victims, Escobeto plays Piatkowski in the first round. Um, and obviously... Jensen Brooksby is here, so <laughs> that's uh, that's very interesting. It plays plays Darian King first round. So I th I've gone for the obvious. I've gone for Brooksby. Yeah, he has a very weak half compared to the yeah. other one. I think just es like especially had... the quarter. We, we we don't see the qualifiers yet, but the quarter is mm -hmm. yeah. Just Guido like Andre last... is the yeah. Yeah, but last, yeah, week, so... last week's week was the top half, right? That that was that strong. And here we've got the yep. bottom. And I mean, o Oliver Crawford, I'm probably still not going to see much of him because he's playing Gomez and he retired last week. So I I'm still not going to be able to evaluate him, which is frustrating. Christian Harrison is playing, but he seems to be, you know, he seems to have lost his way of late. Yeah, lo lost very easily to Jung. Exactly. Uh, that was that was quite a surprise after his first few events this this year. And I ended up, you know, once upon a time this year, actually, just a couple of episodes ago, I ended up going for someone who I already had picked before, and it worked out great. So I decided to back up my Escobedo pick for, uh, for Little Rock with Escobedo for Orlando as well. Uh, tough first round, but I really do believe that Escobedo was the second strongest player in, in Little Rock. I absolutely love his forehand, and I believe he has a very good chance to, to go deep here. Uh, I'm not sure if you mentioned, maybe I wasn't listening, sorry, uh, Kruger Sok uh, as, as a first round that, that happened in the semis. No, I haven't actually. Yeah, I, I, I forgot to mention that. Yeah, yeah, yeah they, they also played doubles uh, last one. week. Uh, in, in Little Rock. They had to withdraw after Sok had all these marathons. But are they playing doubles again here? Yeah. Uh, I don't think so. I don't, uh, I don't think so. Somebody that is playing doubles is Crawford Riffis, um, who I, I actually, I should probably look up where Sam Riffis plays NCAA, because if, they, if they're teammates, Gators, that's amazing. I think. Yeah, yeah, the, the, then they're teammates. <laughs> so, yeah. so, yeah, University of Florida. Uh, guys, but Crawford is not playing together. college anymore, right? Well, not not, not anymore, but but they I were teammates he, probably I for. Think, I for think the he had that years. one more that that one extra year of eligibility, and he didn't didn't choose to do it. 
Yeah, so 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 he skipped the senior year, but 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 they I don't know if they ever played together, but they did. They were both on the same team, so it's it's interesting to see these two University of Florida teammates. Something that I'm just noticing is Yates Johnson and Hunter Johnson, uh, because they're not playing together. Oh, actually, Hunter is playing with Ruan Krelov. I I I can't, I can't spell his name, but you know who that is, the South African guy. Uh, yeah, and then Yates is playing with Michael Radnitsky. That, I have no well, clue what, where that came from. I, I don't know how they're doing ranking-wise. Maybe they needed higher-ranked partners I, to get they've in. They've been playing together. Ah, okay, that, that that's what you mean. Um, maybe, but I, I think they've been playing together for such a... I mean, the, the, they're twins, right? So it's obvious they've been playing together a lot but i don't know this is a pair that i also saw live at at sopot years ago just like who else whom i was talking about uh jacopo bertini and they actually seemed amazing like after i watched their first round match i was i was pretty dead certain that they were they were gonna to, they were going to win the event i even watched some of their practices and they, they just seemed crazy talented and it's it's super weird to me that they're not getting better results. They won a, a 25k this this year, and actually, as I'm looking at it, they they haven't played with anyone else than each other, at least in a long while. But I would I'm I'm struggling to find any opportunity when they weren't. Like I, I just rolled back to early 2019, and every single event it's Hunter and Yates together. So it's it's very weird. Okay, I found something in 2017. Okay, with Harrison Adams, Yates played. Yates played with Harrison Adams. So they have been playing together exclusively for the last three years. And okay, I mean, very weird, but that's we're still quite wild. Yeah. Very. But yeah. So, so who's your pick for this tournament? Did I say that it was Escobedo? Oh yeah, Escobedo. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, five events is going to be very weird for us. <laughs> and especially next uh, week, we're going to have five events to talk about and then five events to preview. So don't be surprised going if we're going to mix so up long everything. This podcast. Yeah, especially as there's nothing um, happening again. And what There's something else that's, that's twice. I can't remember. I mean, this is... Yeah, I'm pretty sure maybe maybe Almaty is twice. Yeah, this is too much. I mean, this is too much. <laughs> Obviously, it's not too much, and we, we love it. But uh, yeah, we've got I am on Provence, Proste of Almaty, and For Forli. Yeah. So that's what we're gonna talk about next week. For now, we're good. We we established our winner picks. You know who who who, who uh, who's gonna lose early because of that. And we established that our Ron Garros qualifiers game went very lopsided. So hopefully I'm going <laughs> to do better at Wimbledon. I'm not sure if we're going to have yeah. like a huge ranking of points, you know, adding up every slam. <laughs> Probably not, but let's say you're just <laughs> a up, super one, rank. up one point to love is, think, I think, is oh fair. God. <laughs> yeah. I think being up one point yeah, to love is great. I I I'm completely down to to keep accumulating the points. I mean that would okay. with my massive margin right now profit me a lot. But I'm also happy just being one nil up after the first We're one. We're gonna see Undefeated. how how Wimbledon goes. <laughs> uh, I'm up in the in the winner prediction game. You're up in in slam qualifying. So 
it's yeah. great we're both happy and we're both happy that we that you were listening to this and we're gonna definitely come back next week to to talk about nottingham Lyon, bratislava olmaty and orlando so we'll see you there <laughs> bye Hope all of you enjoyed another edition of our ATP Challenger-centric Great Shot podcast. Of course, a huge thank you to Damian and Jakob for covering all of the action. It's tough to keep track of everything happening in the tennis world. There really are at least, I'm going to say, minimum eight events happening across the globe at different levels. And of course, that doesn't even include the juniors collegiate action that happens for so much of the year. So it is so helpful for us here at Crack Rackets to have two people on the ATP Challenger beat in Damien and Jakob. And again, I think I'm going to bring back David Gertler this week, get him on the show so we can chat some Challenger action, talk about this Holger Rune. Uh, again, it's unacceptable for him to be using a homophobic slur. What will the consequences be? Has the ATP Tour taken appropriate measures? Have they taken any measures by the time we record that podcast it's a storyline we will continue to pay attention to and then again I think we see it these players week in week out Lorenzo Musetti Carlos Alcaraz the most dramatic examples but even guys like Pedro Martinez Portero who are just popping into the ATP Tour and finding success right away. It speaks to the importance of the challenger level and why tennis fans should be following it because the level of play not too far off from that at the slam. So again, thank you to Damian and Jakob for shining light on this. And you know each and every week you can find this podcast here on the Great Shot podcast feed. However, if you're looking for some French Open coverage, all of it on our mini break podcast, we've recapped each and every day of the action so far. Plan to do it the rest of the way as well. So be sure to tune into that mini break podcast feed and again like rate subscribe if you to this show that show our cracked interviews podcast everything we're doing here whether it's our facebook instagram twitter youtube it's at cracked rackets you want to message me directly i'm at great shot pod a shout out as always to the super producers max fligner and daniel westoff for the of an editing job they do day in day out shout out as well to our friends at turner tennis remember email sales at unique sports.com or call 800-554-3707 with that in mind for our hosts, Damien Kusta and Jakob Bobro, for Super Producers Max Flickter and Daniel Westa, for our friends at Turn to Tennis, and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. Hey, great shot. We'll see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>